all of scriptures in in the in the in the Bible, the Shepherd Psalm, and I think sometimes in difficult times like this, it behooves us to go back to something that's familiar and to go deeper places that we've already gone and to look at words we already know and remind ourselves of what can mean to a time like this and reapply these things to our current circumstances. So if you follow along at Psalm 23 and look it up in, in your Bibles, it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He gets me along right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the dark valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that as we look at this passage this morning, that you would use it to comfort your people and to remind all of us what it means to be in your care and under your watch. Help us to drive peace and hope from that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through challenging times, and I think in these difficult times, we need to remind ourselves that as people of faith, we experience these things and we process these things in different ways. Today we're going to look at this passage the 23rd Psalm, and how that can give us a tool or a path for processing the challenges that we're facing. I want to look at a picture of what our relationship with God is like, a picture of hope it is that God gives us through the Good Shepherd, and then finally close with a look at the a picture of God's presence in our life and how that functions. These are really familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a picture of God's relationship with us. You know, the job of the shepherd was to depend, defend the sheep, direct the sheep, to protect the sheep, and feed the sheep. Because sheep, as they were domesticated, were not capable of taking care of themselves. And the shepherd did this with great care because sheep, in the ancient Near East, sheep represented wealth. Since wealth wasn't measured by how much money he had or things like that, he was, it was measured primarily by how many sheep and how much livestock a guy had. And so when, when the scriptures tell us that the Lord shepherd is also telling us that we're his lambs, we are his valuable possession. We are the mark of his wealth and and his and his most precious belonging and i think that's something important to remember because as humans none of us stand alone i think part of what we all need as as humans is someone who we look to as our shepherd when we're children 
we look to our parents to take care of us. And then as we grow older, we recognize we got to find someone else to be that, to be that guide, to be that provider, be that protector. For some of us, we find that in other relationships. Some of us look to a boss or an employer to be our shepherd, be our provider. Some of us look to politicians or other leaders of various sorts to be that shepherd. But the offer of the gospel, the offer of this passage is recognize that it's God himself who is our shepherd, God himself who protects us, God himself who will provide for us, himself who will take care of us if we rest in him. And so the call for all of us in the midst of difficult time is not to panic, not to despair, not to be like sheep without a shepherd, but to look to God as our shepherd and to reaffirm that when maybe our boss can no longer provide for us, when maybe our family doesn't have the answer for us, or we don't have a relationship that we can depend on, and we're losing confidence, perhaps even in political leaders, that God himself, who is our shepherd, and if he is our shepherd, he will lead us, and we will lack nothing. So there's the picture of relationship, but then there's also a picture of hope in the especially in the last few verses, he's, he this picture of intimacy, pair a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. He invites us, he has a picture and a vision and a hope for the future that God is going to invite him to sit down and celebrate. And the vision is of a big dinner party where everyone's celebrating, but it's not just a party, it's actually a victory party. He says, you prepare before me in the presence of my enemies. Commentators tell us that what he's talking about there is, is the image of a soldiers celebrating a victory after they have locked up and incarcerated all their enemies and then they sit down with the spoils of war and sit down to celebrate sit down to sit down to enjoy a meal and to celebrate the victory that God has given him so that even in the midst of tenuous circumstances the psalmist says leave victory is coming and we're looking forward to that victory ha happening but it's not just the dinner party it's actually an adoption because god is not just a shepherd he's also the father he says i will dwell in the house of the lord forever and ever and ever this is the vision of hope that he gives us a vision that we're not just sheep of God, but we're actually going to become children of God. We're going to be invited into his home and we're going to dwell there forever and ever. We're invited to a party at his house, not as a guest, but as a family member. And this is the important relationship that every human heart longs for, the shepherd that we all need. Someone who will care for us, someone who will invite us in for dinner, not just that, but invite us into his home forever and ever and ever. And so this is the future vision that 
psalmist has in this passage, that he's going to be at home in the house of the Lord, no longer as a sheep without a shepherd, no longer as an orphan without a home, no longer as someone who's at risk in the world, but as a child of God dwelling safely in his home forever and ever. Now, so that's the hope that has, but there's also a, a stark present reality. These are probably some of the uh, most familiar verses in this passage, and you might recognize them from Gangster Paradise if you're not familiar with the psalm itself. The walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are striking verses to me because what it tells me is that when God's our shepherd won't follow him, it doesn't mean that we won't sometimes find ourselves in dark places. Because sometimes good shepherd knows that the only way for us to get where we're going is to go through a scary place. The only way for us to get where we're going sometimes is to go through a painful place. The only way for you to become what God wants you to be sometimes is to lead you into a difficult place. And so sometimes when we're following the shepherd, when we're close to the shepherd, when we're going where the shepherd wants us to go, we will discover ourselves to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But when you find yourself in a dark and difficult place, what this does mean is that doesn't mean that you are alone. It doesn't mean you're not where the shepherd wants you to be, and it doesn't mean that he is not with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear evil because you, the good shepherd, are with me. And that's why there's nothing to be scared of, even in the most difficult place. Because see, in life, what really matters is not who you are and not where you are, but who you are with. Just think about this. In every area of life, what really matters is who are you with? Socially, who are you with? Who are you with this weekend? Romantically, who are you with? Professionally, who are you with? What company are you with? Who are your clients? Who are your partners? Who are you working with? And in life, the most important thing is that we know God is with us. The essence of what it means to be a Christian, the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ, is to embrace the hope. God is with us. And one of the things the Bible says throughout is that nothing matters more than the presence of God in our life. One of the stories that exemplifies this to me is in Exodus 30. You know the story of Exodus, the story of the people of Israel escaping from Egypt and going into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. But then they get a little lost in the promised land. God gets, excuse me, they get a little lost in the wilderness. God is freighted with them. And at one point, God says to them, go ahead and go into the promised land, the land with milk and honey, and I'm going to send angels to escort you, but not going to go with you. Look, it's your screen. I would encourage you to read Exodus 33 on your own time because it's such an interesting passage. But, on, but here's a little excerpt from that story. The Lord said to Moses, leave the place. You and the people you brought out of Egypt and go to the land I 
promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not with you, because you're a stiff people, and I might destroy you on the way. So look at that passage. God makes an offer to people that you would think that they couldn't refuse. You can leave the wilderness, go to the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to send an angel for you. I'm going to send an angelic escort so your trip will be a success. You're going to get the best state around. But the only thing I'm not going to give you is my presence. Now, you would think, given the state of mind of the people of Israel, an offer like this would be something they'd embrace. We get all of the gifts, and we don't have to deal with God's rules. We get all of God's blessings, but we don't have to deal with God himself. And uh, I think that's the way I might be inclined to respond. But it's a tribute to the people of Israel that their response is different. Look at verse 4, the next, it says, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one would put on ornaments. Moses said to them, if your presence does not go up with us, do not send us up from here. The people of God, for all of their issues, they didn't want the promised land if the God who promised it to them didn't go with them. And... What they understood and what you need to understand, the most important thing in your life is not where you are, what you have. The most important thing in your life and my life is, is God with you, is God present with you. Because the gifts of God, the blessing of God, isn't really the things that he gives you. The real blessing of God is his very presence in your life. That's why Jesus came. When the angel came and announced and predicted Jesus' birth, he said to them, all this, Matthew tells us, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Remember, the, the birth of Jesus, the coming of Christ, all of that was all about God with us, God's presence with us in a permanent way. And the reason Jesus came was not just to give us gifts from God, but it was God being his presence and God assuring his presence to us. And that's what people experienced when they met Jesus the first time, that they were in the very presence of God. And when Jesus left, when he ascended back into heaven, right before he died, he told his disciples that God would continue to be present with them through the Holy Spirit. In John 14, he says this, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What's part What's Jesus speaking about here? He's promising that the Holy Spirit will be the way that God's presence is experienced after he ascends into And that's the hope that all followers of Christ have, that Jesus is with us. In another place in Matthew 28, he says, I will be with you always, even to the very ends of the earth. Now, how do we experience 
experience the presence of God. If you've been listening to me, if you know me, if you've, you've been trying me, one of the messages I have continually to you people is that the way we experience the presence of God through singing together, through worship together, through fellowshipping together, that's why small groups are important. That's why coming to church worship services are important. That's why our service projects are so important. It's because when we're serving together, when we're fellowshipping together, when we're worshiping together, that's when God's presence becomes real to us. The, the scriptures refer to the church as the body of Christ. And one of the things that that means is that it's at the church and in the church and through the church that we experience God's presence authentically and in a palpable way. Uh, you know, God is present everywhere. He's omnipresent, but we experience his presence when with other believers. In 1 John chapter 4, John puts it this way, no one has ever seen God, but if we love another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us or in our midst as we love another, God's love is experienced by all of us. And that's why we do fellowship groups. That's why worship services are important. That's why it's important to serve with other people because in all of those things, that's why it's important to be willing to accept service and the help of people in the church when you are in need. All of those things are ways that God's presence becomes real to us. And, and you know, that also goes for, for the sacrifice of, of communion, of baptism. We believe that through these things, through, through the sacraments and through our celebration of the sacraments, God's presence becomes more of a living reality to us. God is present sacramentally, present in a special way when we partake of the sacraments. So all of these things are tremendously important. This is why we gather. This is what what church is for. Now, casually of a moment like this, you know, we're trying to have our groups online and we, we need to do as much as we can using just phone calls, using emails, using, using our online tools to try to connect to the best, the best we can, uh, you know, in these exceptional circumstances, God has given us some things so that we're not completely isolated, but Another thing I want you to know, as much as the Bible tells us that it's through, through the collection and through the fellowship of God's people that we experience His presence, there's, there's another track to that, to that teaching, and it's simply this, that we find ourselves alone, when we find ourselves isolated, when we find ourselves in crisis or in hardship, then God's presence comes to us in a most profound and special way. In the heart of times, God's presence can be most palpable. When we feel like we're not with anyone, sometimes then the presence of God will become the most real. Sometimes when we're all alone, that's when the fact that God is with us becomes a, the most profound reality. So when we find ourselves in a circumstance like this and we're self-isolated, not by choice, that's when God has the opportunity to come to us, to minister to us, to make himself 
itself real to us in ways perhaps that we've never experienced it before because we've always been surrounded by people. And, you know, you see this in the life of Joseph, you see this in the life of Daniel, you see this in the life of Peter. But I think to me, one of the most moving examples dynamic comes in the life of Paul. And some of the last words that Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's talking about going to trial in Rome. And, you know, Paul was, was brought to Rome under arrest, and then he brought there to stand trial. And ultimately, after the course of trials, he was, he was executed for, for, his, for his service to, to God. But he, he, he writes to Timothy about his hearing, and he says in, in 2 Timothy 4.16, At my first offense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. Think of the disappointment Paul must have had, having given his life to ministry, having given his life to trend leaders, having given his life to to uh, planting churches, and he is called up on charges at the capital of the of the empire, and he looks around the courtroom, and no one has was defense. No one is there standing with him. Everyone had run away and were scared. But then he says, it not be held against them because the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. In Paul's most desperate time and his most disappointing time when he'd been let down by all of his friends, God himself came to Paul, God himself gave him strength and God himself protected him and God himself rescued him. You know, none of his friends were there for him, but God was with him, and that was enough. So all of us are in a scary, and painful time. I know some of you are worried about your health and what might happen if you succumb to this disease. Some of you are worried about your jobs, your futures, or even paying this month's bills. Uh, you're worried about your family and your loved ones. You're disappointed in the friends that you had spring that that have been canceled remember it's not where you are it's who you're with ultimately matters and if god himself is your shepherd you know that he's with you even if you find yourselves in a dark valley today there is hope and i want to pray for all of of you that you can cling to that hope and that the presence of God becomes real. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he entered into the brokenness and lostness and, and devastation of this world so that we could know your presence even in the midst of our own failures, midst of our own shortcomings, in the midst of our own isolation. And I want to pray particularly for those who feel isolated right now, for those who feel like they're in solitary confinement, for those who feel like the things they had been depending on, perhaps their job or, or friends or plans they had made, have all been blown up by this crisis. I pray that in the midst of that, you would give us a sense of your presence. You would give us an awareness of your presence, and you would help us to know that even when we walk through the darkest valley, we need not fear any evil because you are with us. Make that to us, we pray.
In Jesus' name, amen.